<laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. You probably have all seen or heard this clip from the Oscars when Hollywood A-list actor Will Smith slapped comedian Chris Rock in the face live on air during the Oscars telecast last month, and then he stormed back to his seat swearing because Rock had made a joke about Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, and her bald head. She suffers from a skin disease known as alopecia. It's an autoimmune skin condition that makes clumps of hair fall out and there is no cure. It's a disease that's also personal for Rabbi Joshua Korber of Toronto. He was diagnosed with it five years ago. Until now, he hasn't talked publicly about it, but Korber feels people need to look at the lessons in the Torah at this time of year that speak about the causes of this skin disease and about body shaming, and also about the larger issue of the Oscar slap, that evil speech can lead to much worse things like anti-Semitism. And violence. These things start with words, right? And then the Holocaust is a, is a great example. Like words, words can launch wars and spark uh, genocide. And that's why the rabbis put Lashon Hara, right? In the, using the faculty of speech injudiciously, they equate that to murder. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, April the 6th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. <music> Last week, Rabbi Joshua Korber prepared a sermon about the Oscar slap and then delivered it to his congregation in synagogue on the Sabbath, and then he posted it on his Facebook page along with a close-up picture of his own alopecia scalp with missing patches of hair. Scientists say about 147 million people around the world have this condition. Korber is 39. He says he didn't go public in order to get sympathy, but instead to share some important lessons about the Jewish concept of lashon hara, or malicious speech, and about kindness. Coming up, we'll hear his advice for the Hollywood set. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Linda Frum in Toronto, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Classical music fans are still sharing tributes today for renowned Canadian orchestra conductor and composer Boris Brat. He was killed yesterday by a dangerous driver in Hamilton, where he lived. Brat was hit by a car while walking on a sidewalk on Tuesday morning. The driver then fled the scene, and police say a 33-year-old man has since been arrested. Brat was 78. He was originally from Montreal. He came from a legendary musical family, and Brat himself was a child prodigy on the violin, although he never liked being called that. His mentor was Leonard Bernstein. Brat took the reins of the Montreal Classical Orchestra, which his parents founded. He later conducted the Hamilton Philharmonic. He founded the Brat Music Festival in that city. And he conducted many orchestras around Canada and around the world, and he even performed several times at the Vatican. The chair of the board of the Montreal Classical Orchestra, Deborah Korber, said in a statement that, quote, the entire OCM family is in a state of disbelief. Boris Brat was the beating heart of the orchestra, a renowned leader in the world of classical music in North America and beyond, a mentor to countless young musicians, and a very dear friend to so many. And I sat down with Rabbi Joshua Korber for our interview at his Beit Reim Synagogue in Vaughan, Ontario. Um, the whole issue of his wife's 
medical condition became something that people didn't know about before. And now it's like COVID. Everyone's an expert, right? right. But for you, this was also personal. I, I quickly became um, nauseated by all the conversations and all the different hot takes that people were having on it. And one of my friends uh, who is a rabbi posted that knowing when your voice is not needed is an important part of discernment. So I didn't really comment on it. And then I, but then I kind of saw a confluence of things. You know, I obviously have alopecia and, uh, but in, in the Torah portion for that week, uh, last Saturday, uh, we were looking at Parshat Tazria, right, which deals with skin diseases. And uh, the rabbis teach in the Midrash that skin diseases erupt on a person as punishment for Lashon Hara, um, for, for using our faculty of speech injudiciously or to cause injury to other people. From a Jewish perspective, it is it goes without saying that hitting a person is wrong. We learn that uh, many many parshiot earlier in the book of Exodus that uh, if if a person strikes another person, um, that person is liable for all kinds of damages uh, to the other person. But uh, at the same time, um, publicly humiliating a person, particularly because of their physical appearance is also considered quite odious in the Jewish tradition. So I wanted to bring, I wanted to use the fact that I have alopecia. I, I saw it as an opportunity to teach uh, what I thought was really important Torah for the moment. So maybe you can walk us through a little bit about how you first got this condition and how, uh, what's the diagnosis, what what was your age? Things like that. This was, I want to say, um, I guess it was about five years ago because I remember that my daughter was uh, months old at the time and my wife one day noticed, hey, there's a little spot. It was tiny. It was almost not noticeable. Tiny little spot on the top of your head um, that doesn't have hair, just bald there. And I looked into it and I found out that it was alopecia and from everything I could tell this is the body's reaction to stress and it was a very stressful time um, but what's weird is that um, I feel like in some ways my life is less stressful now and it's gotten horribly worse. Um, to be frank you've just led a congregation through two and a half years of COVID Zoom uh, personal problems, you know, that all your congregants have gone through, death, grieving, I don't know. I would say that there's a lot of stress, plus environment, plus being a shepherd of Jewish community in these last three years of anti-Semitism. I, I think you may be... That, that I think I'm people under, would consider yeah, that a very I, maybe stressful I, Maybe time. I'm downplaying a little bit of, uh, of the stress. I used to joke when I first came... Um, to Toronto, and folks kind of noticed that the alopecia was noticeable by then. I said, oh yeah, that's from my previous congregation. So is there no cure for it? Is there no treatment? What is the, what do your doctors tell you? Well, um, the doctors, uh, they send you to a dermatologist, and the dermatologist will inject the areas that are bald with, yeah, it's pain, very painful, um, with uh, corticosteroid. Um, which which sort of 
block what the body's doing to itself because it's white blood cells apparently attacking hair follicles. So the corticosteroids can can block that. The problem is you have to keep going back and back and back and back because uh, something a naturopath once said to me, you can't clean out uh, a sink, a blocked sink, when the faucet is still running, right? So if the underlying cause is still there, which evidently it, it is for me, um, it, it's, uh, it's very, very difficult to treat. And so... Um how do you deal with it? And you're, you know, a human being, a man, vanity, whatever. What? How has that been to to navigate that? It bothers me, but I've sort of come to accept it. That uh, it doesn't seem to be something I can change. And you know, when I made when I when I posted um, my Devar Torah. I wasn't sharing that story to kind of, you know, be like, oh, this is my this is my problem and this is part of my healing journey is to speak about this to the world. Like it really it really wasn't like I did to me personally, like I was the least important part of the story that I was telling. Lyson Harbor is one thing, but is that about kindness and awareness? I think it, it's the same as, as, as anything, right? Like if someone was about some individuals are, are morbidly obese. And, and they hate being stared at all the time and they hate being judged all the time. And then others have other things that they're ashamed about with their appearance. And I would like to see a world where uh, everyone is just much more sensitive with the things that they say about people, whether it's in their presence or behind their backs. Um, and I always grew up uh, being told that no matter... No matter what you think of a person's character, no matter how the bad things they did, talking about their appearance and making fun of their appearance is off the table. So have you suffered from any of that as well? Stigma that people say things or point or kids or No, uh sir, I don't I, I really haven't gotten um I haven't felt the negative attention. The worst part for me is when I go to the barber, because I do have some hair that I kind of try to do something with, and uh, I, I sit there and I'm just like, I don't know, I don't know, just do, just do what you can to kind of make it look sort of better. And um, when, they, when they show me the back, right, they take the mirror and they show you how it looks in the back, I'm like, oh, it looks like that. Right. So but I don't have to see the back of my head most of the time. Right. It's, it's when I see a photo of myself that's taken from the back or um, yeah, or, or, or a mirror like that. That's a hard moment for me to know that I look like that. But I guess I put a lot more stock in other aspects of my identity, uh, including other aspects of my appearance that I just, you know, try not to worry about it. Keepa's hair, keepa wearing helps too, right? Well, the keepa, uh, so some people. Or maybe have, that's a bad some, thing. I don't know because it rubs or something. Right, some people have suggested that the keepa is actually causing it, which which it, which it could be, and then that becomes a bit of a conundrum for me, right? What do you do? Um, so oftentimes I'm I'm gonna not wear a keepa because um, you know it it might be causing it, or maybe I have to get it. Maybe I'm allergic to the material. I don't. I don't know. It's a, this is a lifelong kind of thing I'm going to have to deal with now. Did you did you send your your uh, speech to anyone? Did you send it to Will Smith or did you send it to Chris Rock or the Oscars? Like, where do you think this should go from here? I mean, could I, they learn something from you? What you said? I think 
I think both of them um, are are going to have plenty of access to um, you know lessons, life lessons learned from that moment. Uh, I don't think my voice is needed uh, in in the in the you know overarching cultural conversation. Um, except except what I what I ended up saying in that in that Devartara, which is that is that we all need to be just very mindful of the way we speak to people because malicious speech and uh, hurtful speech is the same as violence. What consequences do you think should be considered for what happened? I'm um, I lean far more towards restorative justice than punitive um, and retribution. Uh, I think that uh, individuals uh, should do tshuva. That's what I think the, 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 the consequences are going to be what they're going to be. You know, Hollywood um, looks like they are distancing themselves uh, from Will Smith. I don't think they're taking a moral position. I think they're doing the best they can to hedge public opinion and make the most money, right? I don't, I don't, think, I don't think anyone that's pretending to stand on a moral uh, high ground actually is. Look what they I, did I, I, with I, I, Mel Gibson. He's rehabilitated, right? And he's the biggest anti-Semite there is, and he's making movies right. again. It took mm-hmm. a while. He had to go to timeout for a bit, right? There, this is this is even though it has a lot of personal and cultural significance for a lot of people. This moment at the Oscars, and especially for people who care a lot about Hollywood and and believe that there's some sort of like moral <laughs> uh, thing going on in Hollywood. Um, there are just so much bigger, so many bigger fish to fry. And there's so many people for whom there should be consequences happening that that are not. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. You can read Rabbi Korber's complete speech. The link is in our show notes. Today's listener shout-out goes to Mel Cedarbaum of the Workman's Circle Arbiter Ring organization in Toronto. And we'll end the episode with this little clip from a news conference that was held Tuesday in Ottawa for Genocide Awareness Month. Jewish leaders joined with other ethnic and religious groups who've been subjected to genocides, including Rohingyas and Uyghurs and Yazidis and Armenians, and now the Ukrainians who are saying that what's happening in their country should be considered genocide. The Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, Sheba Birhanu, urged the federal government to do more to stop online hate, to get media giants accountable for hateful content, and to change the paperwork requirements to make it easier for refugees to come to Canada. I'd like to say that after the Holocaust, the world promised never again. We failed miserably. We can do more, we need to do more, and we must do more. The three proposals we laid out are concrete things that Canada can do to make a difference. It will not solve or prevent everything, but it would be a concrete beginning. After all, as the Talmud says, you are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to desist from it. (laughs) 